Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. And God, we thank you that we have breath in our lungs, and we just pray, Lord, that your will is done. In the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen.
Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Speak Jesus for my family, eyes meet the holy name of Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus Break every stone. 
The witness or the United States Federal Witness Protection Program, or known as the WPP, is a witness protection program codified through 18 U.S. Code 3521 and administered by the United States Department of Justice and operated by the United States Marshal Service that is designed to protect threatened witnesses before, during, and after a trial. The WITSEC program was formally established under Title V of the Organized Crime Control Act of 1970 which in turn sets out the manner in which the United States Attorney General may provide for the relocation and protection of a witness or potential witness of the federal or state government in an official proceeding concerning organized crime or other serious offenses. The federal government also gives grants to the states to enable them to provide similar services. Now, WITSEC was originally created as the Federal Witness Protection Program in the mid-1960s by Gerald Shore when he was Attorney General in, in charge of the Intelligence and Special Services Unit of the Organized Crime and Racketeering Section of the United States Department of Justice. Most witnesses are protected by the United States Marshals Service, while protection of incarcerated witnesses is the duty of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I have said it I don't know how many times, especially in the past year, maybe maybe two to three years, but I keep bringing before you the fact that every one of us are left on this earth right now by design for the will of God. You're not here because you exercise good, although you need to, or because you eat right, or because you survived a car wreck, or you're a cancer survivor, all those things are great, or you are 
recovering addict or you've never had any problems or issues, that you are here. If you Whatever of those titles and any other you fall under, you are here solely because God's not through with you. I don't care how you rank yourself, how you qualify yourself, or disqualify yourself. You are here, like Paul said, you're here to finish. That's why you're here. With all the stories, the spiritual or sinful tattoos that might be scarring your testimony. I don't mean a physical tattoo on your body. I mean, but the scars, the stories, the misfortunes, the uh, diagnosis, whatever. All of those things may be a part of what's happened into your life up to now. But folks, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and you will not leave this earth. You won't leave this earth as a believer until the Lord God is through with you. You can argue with me. I won't, I won't even dignify that. You can say, well, what about this? What about that? Bottom line is what the Bible says. It ain't what I say or what you think or anybody that we look up to says or thinks. You are not to leave this earth until you can say what the Apostle Paul said, I have fought, I fought. That's an engaging act. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I have finished. Say that word with me. Finished. I finished my course. When Paul finished his course, he died. Plain and simple. He was an old man finishing his course. He wasn't 60 or 40 or 30 or even 70. Paul was up there in age. We, I don't know the exact age, but he wasn't a young man. He was well in age when he finally finished, and when God was finished with him, he said, okay, it's your appointment. Let's go. And he took him. That's going to happen in your life or either the rapture, whichever one. I'm, I'm partial to the rapture, but I, I don't know. Only God knows. So I'm telling you all this again because of what we talked about last Sunday. As a matter of fact, did anybody at all work on some or all of your six-pack last week? Don't know if you did or not. Don't have to raise your hand. You might not even know what I'm talking about by now. But Jesus said, you remember, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick, I was in prison, and you did something about it. So you've got a job to do in one aspect or another until the time's up. In fact, you are a witness yourself of the Lord Jesus Christ if he lives in your heart. And there is a man in the Bible one of many, but represents the fact that he was a witness chosen by God, set apart through a majority of his life, or the first part of his life, through unfortunate, inconvenient circumstances, and God had his own version of a witness protection program that he had to carry out in this man's life in order for this man to not only finish well himself, but to save lives. 
Your life is all about saving somebody's life. And God will use all of those other categories that I gave in the beginning of the message. He will do whatever he has to do or needs to do in your world in order to protect you, his witness, so that the job can be completed. The man I'm speaking of is the man named Joseph. Joseph, first of all, and I'm not going to read the whole account. I, I preach about him a lot because it's, it's one of my top two or three favorite of all Bible characters and stories. It's a beautiful picture of the hand of God moving, God speaking. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of God giving somebody a clear, bold vision, but his family rejecting him. It's also a clear vision of God showing what real love and forgiveness looks like, which is high in demand today. So let me explain this, and then I just challenge you to go home, to start in chapter 40 or 45 and read about uh, Joseph, but let me just tell you for time's sake, God started off after he showed Joseph a, a vision of his brothers bowing down to him. God was showing him what was going to happen in the future. God started off in order to fulfill that plan in his life by protecting this would-be one-day witness of his, and he did it in the most unusual, hurtful, inconvenient places. He started off by protecting Joseph in a pit, a pit that his 11 brothers, 10 brothers rather, dug, put him in, and betrayed and sold him as a slave. But what looked like betrayal, and it was, and what looked like hurt, and, and just pure abandonment was God protecting this one-day witness. So don't think it a strange thing, church, when you fall in these fiery trials. You are hit by fiery darts. Don't think it's strange what you're going through now or you have been through or you might find yourself in the middle of. Don't despise it because it might just be the hand of God protecting his witness for the moment so that the job can be done later on. We get upset. We want to know right out of the gate, why God? And then we tell the God all the things we've done, how faithful we've been. We look at all the other sorry hides. Say sorry. I've already told you we rednecks, so we can say sorry hides. All those other people, God, they don't do this. They don't get up on Sunday morning at 6 and 7 o'clock and get dressed and go there feeling bad to sing and practice or to prepare to teach and, and give up a Sunday to lead children. They don't do all that, Lord, and it just seems like their life is just so in order. Look, look, look. God might be protecting you from a 1025 car wreck you would get in if you wasn't here at 915. The old song says, we'll understand it better, what and what. By and by, you will. But right now, what God is doing, the treatment, the dismissal, the abandonment, all of this 
may be God protecting his prize choice witness for this day, age, and hour. So after he was sold and God had to protect him in a pit, because he could have gotten all kind of trouble. He could have got killed by a hunter or a wild animal. So maybe God and maybe Joseph will understand it better by and by. God said, well, i got to put you in a pit, and this is not going to be a great thing that you're going to tweet about how you got in a pit because you want to tag every one of your brothers. So the Lord protected him in a pit. The next thing he did, if that was not enough, he was caught along with Potiphar's wife. I know you know this story, but we got to go over it, though. He was caught along with Potiphar's wife. She was hot. She said he was hot. I'm really giving you the Opie parallel version here, okay? So, hey, they were alone. Nobody, no hidden cameras or nothing. Only the all-seeing eye of God. And Joseph knew that. And he wouldn't do it. He would not give in to lust and temptation and a, lot, a little bit of pleasure because the Bible says sin is pleasurable just for a small amount of time. And then the venom's in and it destroys you and so he didn't give in to it and you know what happened the next thing God had to do for two years was keep protecting his witness so guess what he did he gave him the job as being the town mayor no he didn't he put him in a prison for two years protect me in a prison what God don't you know that I'm on your side I didn't sleep with the woman but God was protecting him, you see. And again, for the second or 14th time today, don't question where you are. If you are a child of God, God orders your steps. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he's doing in this church that he's called me to pastor. And all I'm learning to do is just say, okay, Lord, you may have protected us like Esther for such a time as this. So whatever my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it, Lord. And so here we go. We've gone from a pit, God protecting this witness, to now a prison and God still protecting his witness. You're about to see it, if I can get through it. And then the last thing we see, it wasn't a pit. It wasn't a prison. You know where the final place was God protected this witness? A palace. He went from a pit to a prison. Hallelujah, Holy Ghost, to a palace. You see? One day there is laid up for you a crown. Hallelujah. If we faint not in doing well, the Lord, the righteous judge, has it waiting on you with your name outside of your mansion in glory. Just finish the race. Let God protect you along the way. And one day you will say, Oh God, holy are you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Enter into the joys of heaven. Hallelujah to his name. And so, the pit, the prison, and now the palace. And let me just read you one of those scriptures out of Genesis chapter 50. After it was all said and done, here you go. And 
Joseph had done met with his brothers. And I'll finish the story after I read this scripture. He was telling his brothers, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but I was God's witness. And God was protecting me. God meant it unto good. It was a pit. It was a prison. But now it's a palace. And God meant all three equal for good. God meant it for good to bring to pass. Everybody say that with me. Bring it to pass. Somebody needs a husband saved. They need that brought to pass. Somebody needs a child away from bad friends. You need that to pass. Somebody needs healing in your body. You need that to pass. Somebody needs a financial miracle. You need that to pass. Somebody needs to be able to sleep a solid night. You need it to pass. Let God bring it to pass, church. Hallelujah. But God did it. God did it. He did it to witnesses all throughout the Bible. He's still doing it today. So one day he can bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people. Jesus loves plate sales. Jesus loves mission trips. Jesus loves doing benevolent things. But Jesus came and shed his blood to save people. And God has got witnesses protected in all kind of foul up situations just so at your shining moment he can save some people church let God do it let God save people he's setting you up he's not casting you out or down God's setting you up let him finish what he started in your life so since me and you are here to finish we need to understand that God has put something in place. I'm not just going to tell you about all that and God not give us some kind of way or remind us rather how to do this. You see, God knew that we would be living in a day when at any moment us or an attempted nuclear weapon could be fired at us or Israel or any other country. That's happening and you may not even understand that right now, right now, Russia has a nuclear weapon, a missile, that they can launch, can hit us, it can definitely hit Israel, and it cannot be detected. It can hit its target in 400 seconds. 400 seconds is 6.66 minutes and we are living in perilous times right now while people are worked up about everything from riots and the racism issue that we have that's ongoing it's not a racism issue it's a sin issue it's always been that way from the devil you're always going to have people that hate people everything from skin color to the God they say they worship to the house they live in or the house they don't live in there's always going to be a division God is not the author of confusion though it's the devil and the devil goes around seeing who he can bait and cause people to always be at odds at each other 
This is the natural behavior of the world. But it cannot be the behavior of the church. We are saved by the blood of Jesus to save people, to show them, and we cannot be ignorant of his devices. And while all the people in this country are caught up on all the things the media tells them to be worked up about, we don't know what's really lurking behind the scenes that could wipe people out. I used this phrase this morning. We've never been in a situation. My daddy's 86. There's a lot of people 100 years old still living. But nobody that's still in existence today has ever walked around a neighborhood and watched flesh melt off of a human body because of a nuclear weapon. And everybody's looking and thinking and processing. But we don't know the day and hour we're living in. And this could happen before we walk out of this church. And this is why we're having prayer. This is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, the way I'm preaching. Because the world's going to do what you've been witnessing the world doing. But the church is the mighty army of God. We are not of this world. We are strangers and we are pilgrims. We've been called out. We've been separated by God and for no other, not to enjoy life. God lets us do things, but we are here to finish our course and go home. That's why you're here, by the way. So, God put something in place because he knew that the witnesses would need something to help them out when they were in a pit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. There's people here, people watching, people listening. That that pretty much sums up their life right now. I feel like I'm in a pit. Other people feel like I'm in a prison. I'm just locked up in, I'm in a prison in my mind. I'm in a prison in my home. I'm a prison at work. I just feel like I'm a, a prisoner to my health. All kind of prison. And God knew that his witnesses, by the way, when you get to heaven, all those things, they won't even, they can't exist up there. I'm ready to go home, man. I'm ready to go home. So the Lord says, there's got to be something in place while I'm protecting my witnesses that they can, they can hold on to and they can cling to. This is not a new thing, but I'm about to show you all over again. He called it. The old rugged cross. Now you can't see all of this naturally. This cross right here that that's, looks like just a regular cross. We've got to understand that this cross is of all things. It's where our sins are forgiven. But the cross also serves as a shelter for us. And so when you, are, when you go back to the cross, Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord, see, we always identify a cross with salvation. That is our first mistake because we treat it like it's a doctor's visit and then we leave. You'd never leave the cross, church, because, see, this is what has to happen. In order to go to the cross, you've got to be willing to humble yourself. And then once you humble yourself, You've got to be willing to submit to it. And when you submit to the cross, 
and you understand this is where my sin is washed away. This is where healing is made possible. But this is where I find my peace at. He said he is our peace. I've done quoted that to you. But the Lord humbled himself to come to a cross. And the moment we get away from the cross is when we get into our flesh. And we start feeling good about the fact that we are a Christian. We know a few Bible verses. We attend church. We are very active in church. And we feel like a lot of times, not everybody, but most believers go through a part of their life where they feel like they've arrived. They don't have to volunteer and work anymore. They don't have to do things like come and just sit and pray. I'm preaching with vengeance today for God. Because I want you to understand it's extremely disrespectful and inappropriate to miss prayer. That went over exactly like I knew it would. But I want it to sink in. I want you to know it's not okay. I love my couch and my recliner and my cereal. But God said my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. That's the Bible. That ain't on my notes. That's straight out of the Word of God. That means you've, you've just turned it into another gathering place where we go and gather. If no other pastor tells the church that he, he pastors that it's disrespectful and it's very inconsiderate and irreverent not to come to prayer, he's not preaching the whole counsel of God. I don't care which one of you, maybe brethren, are hearing me right now. But Jesus could have done anything with the church. But he said, this is where we get along together with just, without the outside world bothering us. In my house, praying, talking together, me revealing to you and you revealing back to me and me worshiping. But see, what happens though is once people experience what they call salvation, then they spend a little bit of time, and a lot of people mean business, but a lot of people do it because of their conscience. They just want to feel better. They get up and they leave the cross. Once you humble yourself and you submit to the cross, you know that the cross, man, it's changed my life. In fact, it's changed my eternity. I don't ever want to leave the cross. Because when you leave the companionship of suffering and love, then you have the tendency to turn back into a carnal person. And you also leave the shelter of the cross. This is why the Bible says, I believe in Galatians, uh, no, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said this, he said, if any man will come after me, will follow him. Let him deny himself. That's humbling yourself. And take up his cross daily. That's being submissive. And follow me. So see what happens is when you are told by Jesus to pick up your cross. That means every day of your life. You're not going to get away from the cross. In fact, a true bona fide believer 
does not want to get away from taking up their cross because the day that you, you stop doing that is the day you're walking unprotected from a shelter when you go under work, into work. Or when you go to school, you don't have that shelter. You don't feel the presence of the Lord like you normally do. And you know why that is? Because you're not willing to crucify your flesh again and say, not I, I'll quote that scripture, not I, never ever again will it be I, but Jesus Christ that lives in me. And see, you are the witness of Almighty God, His Son Jesus Christ, and you are what God is using. You are who God has chosen to finish this work. And you cannot do that without the encouragement and without the companionship of the cross of Jesus Christ. What the cross does, it does protect me, but it also gives me the peace because then I know He never leaves me nor forsakes because I am crucified with Christ. And when I keep the cross with me, I know that. And the devil always sees this on my back every day of my life. And he says, boys... Leave him alone. He's walking crucified with Jesus. You will not get over on him today. She will not buy that lie today. You won't depress her today. You won't get her in a bind where she feels like there's no reason to live anymore. I'm preaching today and I want you to hear me. They're crucified. You might as well move on to somebody who is cocky, arrogant, conceited, full of pride. You might can get somewhere. This is why you want to stay nailed to the old rugged cross. Then you never give your flesh permission to fall to all the devices the devil sets up. You do that. But you know what? This is a very, 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 until you get used to it, this is an uncomfortable thing. It's uncomfortable. It's so inconvenient. You know, I could have turned it on the other side where the padding was. I don't want to do that. I want you to understand that the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I'm going to read the whole thing I just quoted to you. I, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. That's why when somebody gets under your skin, And they want to jaw with you, or they're trying to pit you to pull it out of you, make you bicker, argue, fuss, or whatever with them. When you are crucified with Christ, your flesh will not give in. You don't believe in that hellish thought of giving somebody a piece of your mind. You give them your heart, which is Jesus, but because you're crucified with Jesus. You know, many times when people were accusing Jesus right before he was crucified, he never said a word back to them. You know, I don't want you to take this wrong and this be out of a bitter spirit, but if you wanted to tick a lot of people off in your world that tick you off, don't say a word to them when they're trying to pull it out of you. Silence really is golden unless it's time to witness and open your mouth and let the Spirit bring out. So you don't do this. You can't do it. I don't care how long you've been serving Jesus. Your mouth 
will always be a great tool that the devil has at his disposal unless you crucify your flesh and you take up your cross daily. Then you have that protection with you. You have that knowledge knowing that he never leaves me, he never forsakes me. The cross is a shelter that you need when people are throwing those darts and they are saying things and you feel like the world is caving in on you and it looks like you are being uh, very mistreated or done wrong or overlooked at, at work or among your so-called peers or family like Joseph, it feels like, again, I'm in a pit. When you're in a pit, go to the cross. When you're in a prison, go to the cross. When you're in a palace and it seems like it's off, stay on the cross. Don't ever leave the cross of Jesus Christ and watch what Jesus Christ does with the witness of your life. So I want to pray. But I'm going to read to you something that's I, I look at a lot. It was written over a hundred years ago by a man named Andrew Murray. Spent most of his time preaching and teaching in South Africa. And he wrote in a book on prayer, Christ our example our head. Christ took the lowest place on the cross and so he has marked out for us his members the lowest place. The radiance of God's glory became the afflicted one of men. Since that time the only right we have is to be the last and the lowest. When we claim anything more, we have not yet fully understood the cross. We seek for a higher life. And we will find it if we go deeper into the fellowship of the cross with our Lord. God has given the crucified one the highest place. Shall we not give him the same place? We do this. When from moment to moment we conduct ourselves as those who are crucified with him. In this way we honor the Lord who suffered for us. We long, full, we long for full victory. And we find it as we more fully enter into the fellowship, fellowship of his cross. The Lamb obtained his greatest victory with his hands and feet nailed to the cross. We abide in the shadow of the Almighty only so long as we abide under the shadow of the cross. The cross must be our home. There alone are we sheltered and protected. We first understand our own cross when we have understood his. May we desire to get so close to it that we not only see it, but we also embrace it, take it up, and make it our own. Then the cross asserts itself in us, and we experience his power to the point that we do not feign under it, but carry it with joy. What would Jesus be without his cross? His pierced feet, 
have bruised the head of the enemy and his pierced hands have spoiled the devil's tactics completely. What are we without the cross? Do not let the cross go, but hold it securely. Do we think we can go by any other road than that which the master trod? Many of us will make no progress until we take up the cross of humility and self-denial. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath. And for that, you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life. If you have not done that, or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey, and there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission, and you're part of that. So let us pray for you, and if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer is need is right now and that's just a simple email 
uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast, and we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.